This is a HeadGum Podcast. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. I'm Hannah Beekler, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerd Podcast. I'm Tracy Heather Strain, director of Sighted Eyes Feeling Heart, the first featured documentary about Lorraine Hansberry, and you're listening to me on Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Corey Bowles. You're listening to Black Girl Nerds. My name is Teresa Fitzhenry, and I play Fiji Kavanaugh on Midnight Texas. You are now listening to those Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Gugu Mbatha-Rua, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi guys, I'm John Boyega, and you're now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Enjoy. Black Girls Rock. tuning in to episode 138 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled South by Southwest Rewind, featuring cast and crew interviews from the films Fast Color and Jim. Two segments. In our very first segment, we invite the cast and crew of the film Fast Color, which made its world premiere over at South by Southwest. And this is a roundtable interview with director Julia Hart, writer-producer Jordan Horowitz, and one of the stars of the film, Sanaya Sidney. In our second segment, we talk to the cast and crew of the film Gin, which also made its world premiere over at South by Southwest Festival. And in this segment, features the following cast. Damian Smith, Zoe Renee, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Maya Morales, Ashley Fouché, Ms. Simone Missick, and cinematographer Bruce Francis Cole. So thanks for tuning in to episode 138 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, where we hung out over at South by Southwest and interviewed cast and crew of the following films, Fast Color and Gin. Stay tuned to future episodes. We have more coverage from South by Southwest of some films that you are going to love and featuring some of the talent from those films and the directors and creators behind it. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. Fast Color, directed by Julia Hart and also written by Julia Hart and her husband Jordan Horowitz, is about a woman who's forced to go on the run when her superhuman abilities are discovered. Years after having abandoned her family, the only place she has left to hide is home. 
The film stars Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Lorraine Toussaint, and Sanaya Sidney. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Black Owners Podcast. My name is Jamie, I'm your host. I'm really excited because I'm here with the team behind the film Fast Color, which is making its premiere here at South by Southwest. And I'm here with director Julia Hart, producer Jordan Horowitz, and Sanaya Sidney, who is an incredible character in the film. And Sanaya was actually a guest on her podcast, Back with Fences. So mm. glad to have you back. Um, so first of all, Jordan, Julia, I feel like I already know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have met Jacqueline, our producer. So just by proxy, I feel like we already kind of know each other. And, um, I know you guys met at ABFF. Um, were you guys at the Oscars, by the way? We were. We were at the Oscars. <laughs> How we're was the that Oscars. experience? It was fun. It was much more, uh, it was a lot less eventful this year. For me, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's nice to just be there. It was nice have to be the there. We, off we and also we had like a lot of friends who were so. nominated because we we made a movie with Timothy Chalamet and obviously Emma and I worked together and right. Marshall and was presenting Kamel. and Emily Kamel was It was to, really like, nice to be there. Be with, there to support our friends. Yeah. yeah, Jordan, you realize you're like a meme now. No, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. It was fu- it was funny. Like I was because we just did like a quick red carpet thing and like there were on any number of press people that were like, oh yeah, I want to talk to that guy. Well, my favorite was when because there's like the whole audience of people sitting like in the bleachers watching the red carpet and we think we're hearing like Jordan Jordan we're like I can't and we look and, and like around. there's nobody famous behind him and like there's like a whole crowd of people like, being yeah, like yeah, hey Jordan so and I like kept turning around and I'm like and there's a and I found later on on Twitter somewhere like there's a video of it and it's just me going <laughs> just like turning around and like is that. it me that really you're talking funny. to right. so, yeah that's it's really funny. funny that's awesome well let's talk about Fast Color because this film which I had a chance to see um, was amazing and it's it's something that we really need right now right so it, it deals with three black female protagonists of three different generations that each have these supernatural abilities and quite frankly, seeing a story like this with women um, that look like characters like me is rare. So what inspired you to create Fast Color? So for me, it was definitely becoming a mother was kind of the first kernel of the story in the world because I think mothers are superheroes. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. I've never actually, I've never seen an actual superhero, like literally with, you know, special abilities who was a mom. And so it kind of started from there and grew into, okay, if we have a superhero who's a mom, you know, we have a female superhero, what would, what would female superpowers be? You know, other, like Black Panther aside, because that's it, like a category unto itself. <laughs> right, superhero yeah. movies by and large are kind of white men destroying things in order to save them. Mm, interesting. And so I, you know, when we started talking about this idea, we were, we were thinking to ourselves, oh, but female power is about creation. So women would create something in order to save the world. And what would that look like? And it kind of grew from there. And Sanaya, you play Lila. Yes. Who's absolutely adorable. Are there any aspects of Lila's character that you identify with? Yeah. Um, I honestly think that Lila, she's wise beyond her years, she's really shy. I think she doesn't really say something to show her inner power and her inner self. She's really um, 
new to, you know, meeting her mother and coming to this different world and different thing that she's never experienced before. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just um, it's an eye-opener for her. And she's trying to connect back with her mother again. So that's really special, too. Like I said, mother are superheroes <laughs> your your mom is definitely a superhero. yes I love um you know there is this really great dynamic with the film where uh the character of ruth she has this inability to control uh her supernatural powers and it reminds me so much of the x-men comics growing up <laughs> um with rogue in particularly uh because she always had issues controlling her powers mm. Uh, were you inspired at all by comic books while putting the story together? It's funny, like you you want to show reverence to the genre that you're bending, mm. but you also want to make sure that you're not getting hung up in it and being too referential. So, you know, I'm de- I was definitely aware of the tradition that we were dipping our toes in, but I, we also tried to kind of stay away from it in order to create something. No. But n- neither of us, like, I was never a big comic book guy when I was growing up, and I, I don't think you were super into I was it. via my brother. Right, right. And that's how I right. got into I, it. I remember the only comic books that I read when I was a kid, there was always, like, the, the series of what-if comic books. Like, like what if this happened? Like, that were just, like, not the normal storylines. I didn't know any of the normal storylines, but for whatever reason, I was super into the, like, what-if versions of comics of, like... I don't know. I uh, kind of like the choose your own adventure books as well. I was definitely into those. I was definitely into those. Uh, Yeah, but I just I didn't. I was never the kid that like um, that like had like a stack of comics and would just like kind of lose myself in them. That was never. That was not like part of my growing up or like any of my like nostalgia for for whatever reason. I just I had different things I loved, (laughs) but yeah. Nice. Was there any scenes that resonated with you the most while filming this? Oh, well, you know, I've never had powers before. <laughs> so that really? was, like, okay. really cool. And, and so when I had to, like, you know, take a part of a bowl, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Even though it was like I was just taking it out. But still, <laughs> I, I, I She hasn't seen what it actually looks like. I, I, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be really cool. But, um... My actually my favorite scene was when Ruth was leaving and mm. I had like basically broke down and it's hard because like Lila lost her mother before and of course she doesn't want to lose again because she ends up having this great connection and relationship again while she's here mm-hmm. but like it's kind of hard to know like she's only here to like kind of protect herself but you can also see that Ruth is opening up to Lila again so I think that was just like the best thing to do because I was like oh my gosh I have to experience something like this Mm. I've never experienced before and do it on screen and I loved it it's my favorite there was some really great chemistry too between you and Gugu did you guys work together a lot off the set to kind of build that relationship and rapport of course she's she's I love her so much Gugu's awesome big light to you um (laughs) she's just wonderful and she's funny like and she's smart and we would just like talk or just have random conversations like how was your day it's great how was yours i love her accent she's like, oh, how are you and i'm like oh i'm good oh my gosh i love your accent i love you but she's just great she's a wonderful person that's awesome um were there any film scenes rather and, and all of you guys can answer this um were there any particular scenes that were difficult to shoot 
And did you have a favorite moment while filming? There's one sequence that was really difficult to shoot, but I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to the, give the away. Ending was, <laughs> the ending was very difficult to shoot. It was very, was very difficult, difficult to shoot. To shoot the ending. Yeah. But they were incredible because I, I'll say this without giving away anything, is that we put our actors in a bit of a difficult, uncomfortable <laughs> terrain, and they right. just handled it beautifully and were able to soldier on with their performances. And great. It's really special, but it was definitely that really was definitely hard. tough. Like, there was a lot, there were a lot of elements happening in that sequence. So, it was, yeah. But it was after it was all, super it was tough. Great. Yeah, it super was great tough. after we were like, oh my gosh, we're done. It was oh, great. It was great when it was done. Yeah, yeah exactly. it was great when it was done. Yeah. But then in the process, it's kind of like oh. yeah. my favorite. My favorite stuff to shoot was when we had the three women together mm. those scenes were so special like at the breakfast table and outside the truck and yeah. it was just so because that was the stuff that we rehearsed a bunch too before we started shooting where it would just literally be in a room kind of like this at a hotel in albuquerque yeah. you know sitting at a table all just of us talking. and just like talking through the script and yeah. the characters and so you know it's it's very rare in a movie that you have a group of women mm -hmm. who have so much to do together in the movie. Right. It's often like there's a movie with like a woman or two women. And so exactly. I always relish those moments when there's like a, a gaggle of awesome women getting to do it together. Did you guys try to create any kind of organic moments by just filming while, you know, these women are talking at the table or? I would have loved to. It was such a tight shoot mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a small independent film with visual effects, special yeah. effects, camera choreography, stunt work, a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> who was, and I mean that, I don't mean that, in, I mean that in terms of like limited hours. Yeah. Not in, I mean, right, she right. is the most professional person on set. Um, <laughs> I, we were, I mean, she's amazing. But so we had a lot of limitations. And so we really just had to shoot what was written on the page. But I wish, you know, that was my dream would be to have a little more time to expand the relationship between them. How many days was the principal photographer? 28. 28, okay. And it was, quick every day was <laughs> yeah, a for, long for, one. for a movie with as many moving parts as it had, yeah. it, was, yeah. it, was, it was tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, right now there's a shift that's happening with seeing these magical and whimsical films uh, featuring women and girls of color. And you've got currently now film A Wrinkle in Time that's out in theaters. How important is a film like Fast Color to audiences who aren't women and who aren't people of color? Mm. That's such a great question. Um, a couple of other people have said this, so I don't want to take credit for it, but, you know, as a, as a, as a white woman and as people and women of color, you know, we've all been having to translate our experience through white men predominantly. Um, and I, you know, I think it's even obviously less so for people of color. Like there are more movies starring white women than there are starring women of color. So it's even um, a much bigger shift, I think, um, for women, women and men of color. But I think it's so important for white men uh, to understand what it's like to watch a movie and connect to a movie and empathize with a character that looks nothing like them. Uh, a, because a lot of us have been doing that for years, again, some more than others, but also because I just, I think when I see people who, you know, like, like Wonder Woman for me, I was just like weeping. Like I'd never mm -hmm. seen 
a woman like that on screen. And then when we saw Black Panther, I mean, that movie was such a transcendent experience, but I can't even begin to imagine what it was like for you guys to see it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's important that people have that experience because if you don't, you're going to be missing out on some pretty spectacular storytelling. Um, and also it just makes your heart and your mind bigger to empathize with someone who isn't like you. I believe it was Kumail who said that in that, in that Oscars yeah. thing. There was yeah. that really great package in the middle of the Oscars that had um, uh, a bunch of uh, men and women, women of color talking about just diversity in Hollywood and just like what that, or like what their careers have been like and how they've had to push and sort of the movies they've been able to make and, and push forward. And Kumail was saying like that he'd been watching white men do these things and relating to them as a kid, you know, like feeling like, Oh yeah, I, I, I'm finding a way to see myself in it. And then he was like, when we made the big sick. I sort of did it. And he was like, mm. and now it's your turn to kind of see yourself in me. You know, exactly. it's like, yeah, you know, you should have fun with that. So that really stuck out for me too. Yeah. 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 That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, speaking of women of color, like this movie is literally black girl magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should have called it. <laughs> yeah, black girl magic. It really is. So Sanaya, what does black girl magic mean to you? Myself. Um, my family, my friends. Power. Viola Davis. Yeah. Guillaume Law, Lorraine Toussaint. Um, I honestly think it's always wonderful to be proud of who you are. So, of what we create in this world, there's good and the bad. And I honestly think that we really need that right now. And um, through what everyone's been going through this past year, it's been a roller coaster. But um, I think honestly, we, we not just a, being a colored woman or young girl but knowing that people also believe in black girl magic and it's like honestly she is she's powerful i love her so much and it's not just because she's color i honestly think it's women in general just people in general also have magic or power of loving others and being for being with each other because we really need that right now you're so full of wisdom. <laughs> I know. Thank you. really is a superhero. Yes, you are. Um, and you mentioned Viola Davis as you know one of an example of black girl magic. What kind of lessons did she kind of teach you in your experience working with her in Fences? I want to hear the answer to this. Uh, okay. Well, okay. First, she taught me how to cry like on cue because I mean like. I don't have, fortunately, I don't have this snot like hers. <laughs> I can't cry and then have, oh, that's not because that's that just snot me. was a character in the movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. For, yeah, for, sure. for sure. And every time you see that Oscar clip, it's like, it's right in there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But also to like, you know, also be proud of who I am. That's where I mostly get a lot from, especially working with these. I mean, I work like with other wonderful black African American women, but um, at the same time, what she taught me was so spectacular that I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I realize what you're saying. Because before, when I did Vince, I was nine years old. I didn't really know as much. And, you know, she was speaking wisdom, man. She was throwing down on me, but I was like, it makes sense. Because what she was saying, she was like, no one, pe people have different opinions about everyone. 
And some people are going to love you. Some people are going to judge you. Some people are going to think you're not their equal or whatever, friend to me or what do you, whatever you want to say. But she's, she's like, always remember that God's in your heart and you should treat people the way you want to be treated and be proud of who you are. Just speak the truth. Mm. Wow, that's so profound. Um, my last question, and I want each of you guys to answer this, is what's been the most rewarding thing about working on this film? Um, just being able to be with you guys. These guys. <laughs> uh, everyone was so great. And I honestly think this, this movie is just a great message. Like Jordan and Julia were saying, you know, be. I want people to be in my shoes. I mean, it's like in Gugu's and Lorraine's. You know, there's different people in this world, and of course, you have to have different characters because everyone is someone in the movie, really. Mm. So it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm eleven or I'm ten or I'm I'm nine, and I can connect to Lila. Someone's just like in their early 20s or, you know, women who had babies earlier or something like that or they can't be with their children or something or they're going through something in their life. They connect to Gugu. Lorraine having to like take care of a child and she's getting older or something like that, you know? They're going through like a a relationship problem or something, you know? Um, I think it's just going to touch a lot of people and I hope we shock them because it's going to be <laughs> awesome. I mean, powers, but still. And in that way, it's not just because of powers. It's saying connection with family and love. And like I said, we need this right now. So I think it's very important. Very. And there's African-American women. I mean, that's awesome, too. Yeah. <laughs> I can just listen to you talk all the time. Please, please. Oh, yes, would be the powers. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of the same answer, but just like getting to work with these amazing women, I felt so lucky that they all wanted to be in the movie. You know, Gugu was the first person we wanted for Ruth, and she said yes, and Lorraine was the first person we wanted for Bo, and she said yes, and Sanaya was the first person we wanted for Lila, and she said yes, and so it was just this set that was like yes with a capital Y, and everyone was just like so on board and so brave and so ready and it was just such an honor to get to tell this story with these exceptional women. Um, and, you know, now we're at the stage where the other thing that Sanaya was saying comes into play, which is that, you know, I'm so excited for little girls to get to see her and, and see someone who looks like them on screen and someone they can relate to who, um, who's so powerful and smart and, and interesting. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I echo that. I mean, it, I'm 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 super happy to get to tell the story. I'm glad that like it's nice to be in a place in my career as a producer where I can kind of leverage some of the stuff I've done to be able to tell the story um, that uh, that I think is not necessarily the the easiest to get made in our current climate. Um, so I'm really happy and proud um, of all the, the women that were able to kind of like raise their voice and tell it. And I'm, I'm happy to be able to be, to, to kind of assist in the telling of that. So 
Well, thank you so much. This is such an important film. It premieres here at South by Fast Color. I'm just very excited that finally some girls are going to see themselves represented and reflected in yes. a film that is literally black and magic. <laughs> <laughs> Jin is a film directed by Najila Moomin. It's about a story regarding Summer, a 17-year-old carefree black girl whose world is turned upside down when her mother, a popular meteorologist named Jade Jennings, abruptly converts to Islam and becomes a different person, prompting Summer to reevaluate her own identity. The following segment features actors Simone Missick, Zoe Renee, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Ashley Fouché, Maya Morales, and Damian Smith, along with cinematographer Brian Francis Cole. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm your host. I am so excited to be talking to the cast of Jen. The film is premiering here at South by Southwest. And we're going to talk about this movie and we're going to have a lot of fun. This is a big cast. (laughs) So why don't we start with this? Why don't we go around the table and if you can state your name and the character that you play in the film. Hey, how you doing? My name is Damian D. Smith. I play Dawood. I'm Bruce. I'm the cinematographer on the film. You might hear me in the background laugh or chuckle. So. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Zoe Renee, and I play Summer. I'm Kelvin Harrison Jr., and I play Tahir. I'm Simone Missick, and I play Jade. Maya Morales, I play Tati. Um, Ashley Fouché, and I play Blaine. Excellent. So, Jin explores sexual identity, religion, friendships, and it's an amazing coming-of-age story that's told through the lens of a black female protagonist, uh, which, let's be honest, we don't get much of these stories. So, you know, I, I want each of you guys to answer this. When reading this script, what scenes or parts of the story resonated with you the most? For me, I think the thing that stuck out the most for me was when I saw Summer, she was in her hijab, she was also in a sports bra. She was, you know, there was these these contradictions that stood out and I was like, wow, this is very interesting. It's a teen going into a world that she's completely unfamiliar with. She's trying to make her mom happy, um, but she's also trying to do her own thing. Uh, So that that, that contradiction always was so intriguing to me. That's that's one of them. For me, it was the imam scene when she ba- he basically shames Summer yeah. in, 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 the, in, the, in the church. And because I was just like, that happens so much. Like, I'm, I'm like from like a back, this background. And so it's like you see that these pastors, these leaders that people look up to and trust, they kind of just take advantage and abuse power to an extent. And I was like, this is an issue <laughs> that kind of needs to be explored and talked about it gently. And I think Nida definitely touches on it in a very respectful way. Uh, for me, it wasn't necessarily just one scene, but as I read the script, I could totally see Summer mm. eating churros, mm. the sugar on her lips, her riding her bike down the street, the sun going down in the background. And I think that Nigella's vision and Bruce's execution just created this rich film with this beautiful brown girl that mm. we just do not see. And mm-hmm. I thought it was so lovely 
how specific it was. Her love Absolutely. of pepperoni pizza. <laughs> yeah. you know, we knew about everything that, that Summer loved to eat, mm-hmm. yeah. which is something that when we see films with little black girls as protagonists, it's we don't get to see that light and that uniqueness that you know we know mm-hmm. in yeah. our community. Yeah, right. We know yeah. what that is, but we don't see it on reflected on screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely feel that. Like just knowing for me, like when I read the script, I just was like, wow, this is such a this is what I needed to see when I was yeah. a Absolutely. girl. You know what I mean? I didn't I didn't have that. Like I had Brandy playing Cinderella and that was thing, <laughs> you know, that I was like, oh my gosh, she's a princess. Like she's beautiful. Like this is her like coming of age story. Like she gets to play this role. And I saw myself in that. So reading, you know, this script just um first I was like, wow, this is like a story that I want to tell for like my little cousins, you know what I mean? So they can see themselves represented because, you know, when I was a kid, it was like scarce. Now things are starting to become more diverse and I'm just so proud to be a part of this film that is contributing to that diversity. Nice, nice. And and, and for me, um, Damien, I've been able to, uh, like reading the script and I was able to see like the, uh, well coming back, coming from a like a, a upbringing of being like Christianity and an upbringing of the Moorish sciences, I was able to uh, see a reflection of a, a Muslim family that's just a, a family that just so happens to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing that's, you know, that's extraordinary. It's just a family that's going through regular life struggles and, and ups and downs and rounds and rounds, but they just happen to be Muslim. It's nothing that, them being Muslim is anything that pushed the film to be anything that's not. It's just who you are. And that's the reflections that I think that we need to have a more of a 360 view of 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 being uh human mm. and within within a religion whatever religion it is mm-hmm. but just this is who we are you know that's yeah. what i enjoy about it and brought me to it for me it was just watching the love story unfold because i feel like i i took some screenwriting classes too and it's so so difficult a lot of times to write a really beautiful pure love story mm. and to watch that love unfold and it unfolded in such a visual way and such a just like sweet way and they're just like they're young and yeah. it's beautiful and we don't see that all the time with mm-hmm. people that look like us and yeah. especially not with the intersectionality of black and Muslim mm-hmm. to watch mm-hmm. that kind of a love story it's like where is that mm-hmm. yeah. so to be a part of that is really special the film screened today here at South By what was it like watching it with the audience and having that experience <laughs> for the first time that was different. That was different. <laughs> uh, for me, it's my first feature film, so seeing my face uh, that large <laughs> was interesting. Um, you get a good face. Thank you. Um, no, but it, it's awesome. It's really cool. We we spent, I think it was eighteen days shooting this movie, um, and it was it was a hustle the entire time. Um, we were trying to get everything that we needed. We were trying to make it real and raw. I remember being out in the rain with Bruce, Ashley, and Maya, in the cold, like LA rain, and seeing those shots and seeing what we what we did come to life was was amazing. It, it was also really cool to see um, not only myself but you know my my castmates on on television on on the screen. Um, seeing us on the screen with our with our brown skin and with our hair and 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 seeing it was beautiful to me it was it was one of the one of the most amazing things it was like seeing black panther when i was like wow this is like this is us like this is really cool this is really cool to see us on screen 
telling our stories, telling stories that, that really mean something to our communities and shine a light on those, on those kind of things. I think it was nice to have the audience there because they were with us. Yeah. 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 They were captive. Yeah. They were engaged. Laughing. They yeah. laughed in yeah. places that I didn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. want to I know. I know. I was I like, know. I love this. And yes. that's the beauty of, you know, because there are times when if you don't trust and believe in the movie that you're in and you have to sit in that seat and you're like, oh my God, yeah. when is it going to be over? But wow. in this, I was as emotional as, as it was the first time I saw it. Mm. And then to have, you know, the audience Absolutely. there with us, it was, it, it made it even better mm. of yeah. an experience. That's what I love about South by. It's just like everybody here has a passion for film and Absolutely. they really love yeah. it. And you the can, audience is so engaged. Yeah, you can definitely tell. It's a room of creatives. You can yeah. tell. The energy yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It was really, it was really, really, it was really great energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I also feel like every scene in Jin is deliberate from the dance scenes with Summer, mm. uh, which gives her this sense of freedom, the changes in your hair color. <laughs> you know, like I feel yeah. like there was moments where you're trying to find your identity in that and those metaphors. Were there any scenes for you um, that served a purposeful metaphor for your characters' experiences in the story? Mm. Um, I think for me what what sticks out is the name change scene. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Where she's really, it's like trying on, it's choosing who you want to be. Mm. How do you want to go into the world? And something as simple as your name is not something that you choose as a child. And yet it is your introduction to the world. Wow. Mm. It's how everyone sees you and they associate that with you. And so to make the decision to change your name as a result of your religion and watching Jade try that on like a person tries on clothes. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. What fits yeah. me? Yeah. What mm. feels real? Mm -hmm. Will people take me seriously now? And I think that she's a woman that has, although she's shining in her career and her personal life, not so much. And so, you know, her daughter and her, and her ex-husband are like, you know your mom, she's always trying out new things. She's yeah. always discovering. You know, so, Summer says, my mom, it, it, she, she's not a, a traditional, like, stable person outside of her career. Right. So for her to try to look for that in Islam and thinking that, okay, and once I change my name, then everyone will take me seriously. Mm -hmm. right. Right. Yeah. For me, it was, we have, uh, Blaine and I have a scene, Blaine and Summer have a scene. Um, it's when I tell her that I'm taking the Shahada. It's when everything kind of switches for Summer, where she decides, okay, I'm going to kind of see if my mom is speaking any truth if, if there's if there's something in this religion something that I need something that I, I want to take and add to my life um for me that that scene stands out so much it was like two worlds kind of collide colliding you know the world that I'm joining with my mother and now my friends mm -hmm. are kind of getting in on it and they're like okay well yeah here it is you know I, I guess it's cool like go ahead and do what you want to do but it was a sweet moment for me and it was a sweet moment for summer I think yeah I think yeah. so too and I, I think yeah that scene is the one that stands out for me too and I think you know me being Blaine in there like I was like this is my best friend we've A1 since day one you know what I mean so I'm like looking at her like you know being like if this is who you are I'm gonna accept you and love you no matter what like I don't care you know what you believe like you know I love you but it's also that like is this your new identity? Is this real? Is this true? And then me questioning myself, my own character being like, well, 
I feel like I'm this happy-go-lucky girl, goes with the flow. Like, do I need to get serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's so mm. much there, and there's so much complexities in that Absolutely. scene. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this question is for Simone. Tell me how you prepared for this role playing a woman that decides she wants to convert to Islam. Um, I talked a lot to, to Najla because this story is semi-autobiographical. Autobiographical. Um, and, and she and I just really discussed in and out the, the script. And the script is... Um, different than what we saw on screen but I feel like those those scenes that that were in the original script and, and that we even shot just helped to uh, shape the experience but the research for me honestly I converted to Christianity at 23 mm. um, and that it was a choice and it was a supernatural experience mm. that brought me to, to Christ and it brought me to God in that way and so it felt very close to me. So there was a, a, a feeling of knowing what that is. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene that's not in the script, but where Jade, um, I mean, that's not in the, in the final film, but that Jade like hears the call to prayer mm -hmm. and decides to go into the masjid. Yeah. And it's such a moment that I experienced in my own life um, where I knew like, okay, this and this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So. Some of it was my own personal story, and then a lot of it was just talking to Nigella and, and doing research on women who have joined the faith later in life mm -hmm. um, and what that does to their families right. and how their friends react. And so it was, it was just a lot of research in that way. Well, it felt very organic and mm -hmm. just like natural. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, you saying that you drew from your own personal experiences, it makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Kelvin, I feel like I've seen you in everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelvin's everywhere. Because yeah. like, I was at Sundance, yeah, so um, I actually saw two of your three movies. <laughs> Fascination Asia, but um, saw you in Monster and Monsters and Men. Great, great work. Thank uh, you. And, you know, I, I was curious to know how different this role is for you. I mean, it, it is very different from what you've done before. Um, how did you prepare for this role playing to here? And did you study any Islam at all? Um, I, I guess it was kind of similar to Simone's experience. It's like, you know, I, I mean, my, I'm, Christianity is my faith and, you know, and I grew up in it. So it was kind of easy to look at it and kind of go, I get what it's like to grow up, like be born into a faith mm -hmm. and then have to discover that on your own mm -hmm. and have to get to that point in your life when you, you kind of go, okay, now what do I believe? You know what I mean? And what do I see? And, and I, my parents would always be like, you have to do the research yourself. You have to read it yourself. You have to you have to come to this decision on your own. And I think Tahir is in this place of kind of realizing, you know, do I believe this because this is what my parents told me? Or or have I, have I done my own research? Is she challenging me? You know, is she trying to question me? Or am I performing? You know what I mean? Am I just, just speaking? You know, and so I think, like, that, that it was kind of, I guess, easy to just yeah. <laughs> be present in that with, with her. And uh, because I was living it myself. But uh, that was pretty much, I, I didn't do, I, I did, I, did I read on it a lot. And Nigel sent us a lot yeah, of references. Yeah. But um, I felt like where he was coming from was a place of uncertainty still. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of like lived in that and just see 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 what that unfolded. 
Awesome. Zoe, this is your first foray into features. You said this is your first film, and your performance was brilliant. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, uh, your, your character tackles so much, and I wanted to know between dealing with sexual identity and religion and this mother-daughter relationship right. that you have, um, were there any parts of Summer that you personally connected with? Um, because, again, this felt like a very organic performance. No, absolutely. When I read the script, I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. I um, was talking to Kelvin earlier, and we were like, Summer is the girl that most girls are are are, are inside, but she's so outward with what she feels, with what she's feeling, with what she's questioning, with what she wants to do. She's she's able to live that carefree black girl life, and yeah. and it's so inspiring and so amazing to play a character like that because I got to just kind of be that thing, the, the person who's dancing on the streets, who's who's singing, who's laughing with her friends, who's who's just being free. Um, and so Summer and I, we relate in a lot of ways in that we are growing up and trying to figure out what we believe. Um, like Simone and Kelvin, I, I am a Christian and I grew up in a Christian household. So it was something that was kind of just there. It always was there. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, but like Summer, I'm like, I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I am yet. So I'm really trying to figure it out. Um, but but yeah, playing summer was was kind of just a free a free pass to be like just a carefree <laughs> black girl, not care like color my hair, do what I want to do. Um, and it, it was it was an awesome experience having that that opportunity to just be to just yeah. be. You yeah. look like you had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Give me a break. It was the best. It was the best. Um, since we have our cinematographer here, yes, We were talking briefly before we started recording about how I thought that this was just beautifully shot and just seeing these whimsical images of black people that yeah. are just carefree and beautiful and we just don't see that much of it in film. So talk to us a little bit about your process and how important it is to see, you know, black cinematographers in Hollywood making these kind of films. Um, I'll say that it's really important because films like this will probably never get made. Um, mm. Uh, the whole reason why me and Nigella linked up was because we both enjoyed films like this that were from other countries um, and, and other directors that have been doing work just like this film and we both realized that we there was a lack of representation for people that looked like us in this realm. In this realm, uh, we're lucky enough to be able to pull off a film like this with very limited funds. Um, because it's just character driven. It's about you know um, young characters just going through life, and it didn't require any technical advances. And um, so, once we got that aside, and we knew we both wanted to make a very personal small film that uh, that that we that could live in the in the, the cabinets of our you know younger generation coming up after us. Um, we were lucky enough to get a great cast and. Uh, and there were times when I think uh, it was challenging, like the rain scene. Where <laughs> everyone was just like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. Was that a tough day to shoot? It's oh, yeah. the subway. Shaking. <laughs> Literally, the only way we were going to be able to get this shot is was to steal it. Yeah. And everyone had to realize that it's cold and, and all that, but... but a film like this needed those moments. Absolutely. They need those moments because this the, the, this film is about young people, and young people are all over the place. Yeah. They have no yeah. boundaries. Yeah. You know, we can't. You know, oftentimes you make a film 
one of the first scenes that goes are moments like this because mm -hmm. it's not dialogue on the page that you have to shoot to get the film done. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think uh, people really appreciate about this film was there's so many moments where it was just about the characters just being and wasn't a lot of dialogue and it was just the energy and I feel like overall that's what we wanted the film to feel like was just what it what it's like to just be a young person and just mm -hmm. discover a city and just be with your friends and Absolutely. talk and yeah. you know so yeah. did you pull from any influences from other films when approaching this subject yeah I mean no, obviously there 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 are a couple of directors and, and filmmakers that me and Nigel have both really responded to um, um, I mean it, there's tons of them uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there were there were, there was art, there was music. Uh, a lot of the music actually made it into the film. Yeah, um, the music was yeah. great. Yeah. It was like a character in itself. Yeah. yeah, we're lucky enough again to be in a time when um, the carefree carefree black girl, especially in music, is really popular. You know, yes. um, and so again, we we're we we're motivated by the music and, and other films and and. Uh, and so, yeah, so once we decided we were going to make a film like that, she was, you know, we were both lucky in that I, as a cinematographer, could give everything I possibly could, and it didn't matter about the money, because literally, like, if anyone knows, like, we had nothing to make this film. Yeah. So yeah. I put as much as I could uh, of my heart and, and, and everything I knew about, um, you know, young people today and what, what they could possibly like to see on the screen, and, uh, and just made that into visual, and, and we married that with uh, Nigel's direction and the cast's performance, and mm -hmm. again, I don't know if there's another film out there like this, mm -hmm. to be honest. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. I can't, I can't think. You were about to say something. Oh, no, I'm just agreeing with what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, nice. I just thought about what you were saying. That's yeah, all. yeah. Um, so how important is it for us and non-black people mm -hmm. to see a film like Jin that explores black Muslim identity. Hmm. Well, you know what? I, I honestly think that it is, is very important, first off, because again, we have to show um, non-Muslim, Christian, Jews, Hindus, whatever the situation is, mm -hmm. in real world applications. You know, we have to, and then uh, like, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a negative you know, stereotype or a stigma too the Muslim faith uh, when it comes to like the outside world when it comes to like you know, everything especially now mm -hmm. in these times that we're living in um, and especially in this in this country that we have to represent you know that demographic of people you know accurately right. it's human beings going through our life you know it, it's it's extremists in every religion mm -hmm. every single religion there's an extremist there that we can account right. for and we can talk about what they did and why they did it and whatever the situation is so we just need to normalize, yes. um, you know, the Muslim religion because I think that it's been too heavily, um, you know, uh, uh, told upon mm -hmm. that I don't agree with. Right. So that was one of the reasons, one of the motivating forces for me wanting to be a part of this project because it normalizes like these people are like 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 Muslims are human beings, right? And we go through, we have the same issues, the same ups and downs. We have birthday parties, Muslims, you know, death at funerals. We have weddings, you know, regular life. That needs to be represented, and there are stories within that regular life that need to be represented. And I really, you know, I really feel that this this film, Jen, actually brings this all around. Like this is a story of a young lady who's going through our life trying to find her identity, 
And then, and then her mother find, trying to find her identity. And those are the things that I think that are really important. And those are the stories that I think that need to be out to normalize, you know, um, this religion to like, this is just another part of life in America. I think representation matters. Representation matters. Yeah. Representation matters. Exactly. Yes. Across the board, across for everyone. Like people need to tell their stories. And that's like the beauty of film. That is like the gift us as filmmakers have and storytellers have is to tell stories that bring everybody closer together mm-hmm. and realize that we are like one race, the human race, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And love is love. And I think, like, just me growing up, like I said, like, I was raised Christian. I'm a Christian. I didn't know any, um, I didn't I didn't really know any Muslim people growing up. I was, like, and I didn't know any African-American Muslim people growing up. Like, I didn't really know that. So I don't know that community, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if I would have had a movie like this, I would have been familiar with it. It wouldn't have been, like, what the media is telling me. And, you know what I mean? People putting their um, sort of opinions out there and not really speaking truthfully. But when people speak truthfully, you know, and tell their stories, then we can all sort of relate and it brings us together. And I think Nigel did just such a wonderful Mm -hmm. job Mm -hmm. telling her story. And it just brings, you know, us closer together. And I think that's good. One of the things that Nigel mentioned and Hisham Tafik, who's not here, who plays the imam in the film, they're both Muslim they were speaking about the division that exists within the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. So African-American Muslims are not um, necessarily embraced outside of the United States in the same way that someone who is in the Middle East, perhaps. They don't look at one another in the same way. It's not necessarily we are all of the same faith. Mm-hmm. And he was, Hisham was saying that you know different masjids judge other masjids you know oh you go to that one and and so it, it's the same thing within i'm sure a lot of christians can, can agree you know there's the same level of judgment within that but i think that um it is important to show that for people outside of the black community people who are muslims outside of this country i think that it is something that will help to unify even that religion because i think so often you know, we think, oh God, why are why are those Christians on TV making all Christians oh, look bad? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have to know that yeah. they feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. to just show a story and and to have that um, that dialogue to show people going through a sexual awakening is mm-hmm. something that is important to show on screen because there are people who love God and love their who they were made to be mm-hmm. whether they are bisexual or straight or if they're white or they just love God and so I think it's important to, to show that as well within the Muslim community I also think it's really powerful to just furthering representation of if we're talking about black people like we get really hyped now that we're seeing all these different diverse representations of black people and this is just furthering that like what does it look like you know what I mean we're, we're super hyped on Black Panther because we're like oh wow like, yeah. you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's another representation of us so like I think Nigel does a really great job of of trusting her audience to be intelligent mm-hmm. and not like force feeding mm-hmm. any images or force feeding any message and it's like this is what it looks like and 
how do you feel about it? Like, we're humans, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and we're brown and... <laughs> Wasn't yeah. one of the terms recently, like, in the art world, the black mundane? Mm-hmm. Which is just, like, mm-hmm. black normalness. Like, yeah. 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 super fantastic. Yeah. It's just, like, there is something whimsical about just... You know, being black and normal. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing, but it's true. And yeah. I think again, yeah. from, from a from a technical standpoint, one of the one of the most important things I think why it's important to have more uh, representation in black technicians, cameramen, uh, costume designers is because we understand and appreciate the mundane qualities about mm-hmm. the black mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. and so we're not going to read a script and go. Oh man, there's no explosions. There's no punch. I don't really know. We're gonna be able to see like a simple love story and say, you know, I can bring my level of expertise to this mm-hmm. format and and make it, you know, come to life. Yeah. That love mm-hmm. scene with Zoe, excuse me, with Summer and Tahir mm-hmm. was so simple. Yeah. It was so beautiful, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Excessive. Right. Yeah. Right. We talked about it a lot. Oh, yeah. I remember. Right. <laughs> 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 hey, you know what? Let's you know, go behind the scenes. Right. <laughs> 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 what are we doing? What, what is this going to be? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It was eloquently shot. Yeah. Well. It was like this square. Everything seemed so milky. We talked about how pretty Bruce thinks. Yeah. Right. I know. I know. Like, the melanin is just yeah. popping. That's the truth. I mean, hopefully, again, when we team up again, I feel like the love scene and and the scene in the rain, mm-hmm. I feel like it was in those moments where, like, um, we just we were just hoping that we all had the same level of trust. Absolutely. And I know it was yeah. the first time we had all worked together, yeah. so it's like, well, what's in your mind? What's in your mind? What's in your mind? But now that we know, like, okay, like, we're here to do a great job and at the same time respect one another right. And then once, I feel like the next level of uh, black filmmaking is when you see that trust in everyone mm-hmm. and then we we open up even more mm-hmm. emotionally and yeah. become more vulnerable mm-hmm. than yes. where yeah. Yeah. we are on screen. And, um, and then that can become, again, something normal as opposed right. to like, like yes. it just being like, oh man, like, am I going to get totally taken advantage of by seeing which... Every single film that I worked on, it's always a thing where people just don't really know what the intention of the, the filmmakers or even the audience is going to be. And the audience, are people going to like take that and run with it? And that's someone's career or mm-hmm. like, you know, because in, in Europe, so, you know, they allow so much more yeah. freedom. Right. And in America, yeah. we, we're just, we like guns, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Some of you guys have already touched on this earlier, but what do you hope that audiences will take away from watching this film? You know, at the root of Jen, it is um, Nigel's opportunity to spread this message of of tolerance, this message of love, of of black girl magic, this message of family. Um, even when, when times are hard, you know, my parents in the film are divorced, but they're still working together. Um, Dorian, who plays my dad, I, I love his character so much because while my parents are divorced, they're still there and they're still, my dad is so present and so, um, he's just there. And, and, and even on set, it was just, it was, every scene with him was amazing. Um, but but I, I really hope that, that they see 
the human in it. I hope that they see the love. I hope that they see um, the struggle and, and that it's, it is very similar to what I'm going through or, or to somebody who is Jewish is going through. I, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that people are understanding like we're humans. Um, we're living the through, living through the same challenges, the same struggles. I, I would love for them to get that. You know? mm-hmm. And to piggyback on what you were just saying, to, to, to normalize yeah. 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 Just normalize yeah. what's uh what's that? It's a um it's a family of Muslim faith. And but that's it, it's still a family. Right. Who's dealing with family issues and in real world applications that deal with family issues. Mm-hmm. So just so happen to be Muslim and 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 that's their faith. That's what I would that's that's what I that's what I see now. And I like to want that message to go out as much as possible. Like back to what we all were just saying, we got to normalize you know the black experience in America, which is, um, which is, it, it's, it's kind of crazy even to say that we got to normalize mm-hmm. our experience, right. but to show. But well, we that, see so little of it, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. it's, it's kind of weird to even have a discussion about normalization, but mm-hmm. it's what it is. You know, we yeah. want to show that this is these are things that we listen to. Now watch our stories, mm-hmm. yeah. watch our stories and be intrigued and, and be fascinated mm-hmm. and see what's happening, what's mm-hmm. going to happen next through our stories as opposed to. <laughs> just being, oh, is this they're African American? Okay, that's right. Yeah, what they're gonna do? <laughs> do they breathe? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what crazy. do they eat at night? Exactly. But what's really beautiful too is seeing these stories coming out of black stories, but also being created mm. by black, yes, black absolutely, writers, yeah. black directors, black cinematographers. Absolutely, mm. like that's important. Mm. So um, that's that's awesome. Uh, I wanted to have you guys go around in the room. This last question. What projects are next for you coming up? Because I know a lot of our listeners are very curious about upcoming projects. Kelvin's winning an Oscar next year. For the role of playing Kelvin. Three DJ awards. Um, well, we know Monsters and Men is going to come out later this year, and um, Assassination is going to come out, and um, as a, I have a film called J.T. Leroy coming out with um, d- um, with Kristen Stewart and Laura Dern coming out later this year, and uh, there's a movie called Loose. <laughs> but Loose is going to be cool. Loose is it's a really cool story about like an African child soldier who gets brought into like this white family, but it's about tokenism and, and you know. Anyway, it, it deals with a lot of really cool things. Octavia Spencer is so good in it, and yes. it's like really cool. That's so awesome. yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we're actually producing a film about uh, roller skating girl oh, groups. Nice. Yeah. Really? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sorry, Tell me more. Yes, get on this. Yeah, no, it's about um, it's a film that I wrote. Um, it's about a, a girl who has a strict uh, sort of parents want her to like you know go down the straight and narrow, go to college, all that sort of thing. Um, and her rebellious side takes over. She goes to this underground world of roller skating at night. Ashley sent me this script, and I was like, yeah. Like, I texted her back a text. It was like, yeah. It's so good. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. Baby steps. Like I said, like we need to secure funds. We need to do X, Y, and Z. But yeah, that's interesting. That's awesome. Nice. That's so awesome. Awesome. Nice. Uh, well, there's a um, 
as a film, as a show that I did, but I signed the NDA with, so that I can't discuss right now. Okay. But when it come out, I'm like, that's what I was talking about. Once they hit, once they hit. And then also though, also though, I'm uh, I'm directing. It's a feature documentary that I directed called Target St. Louis. It's about post uh, World War II during the Cold War era, the military conducted secret chemical testing on poor black people in St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm from. So that's uh, that's my feature doc that I got, and also. I have uh, two short films that I directed that's actually making their film festival uh, debuts and doing their circuit runs right now called, uh, one is called, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Daddy's Big Girl, and the other one is called Second. So those are coming out for me behind the camera and then in front of the camera. The NDA is kind of getting tied up. But when it comes out, man, I'm going to pump it so hard. I'm going to pump it so hard, I promise. Yeah, it's going to be nice. For me, um, oh, for me, I'm still over at BET. We have the show called The Quad. Yeah, um, comes on on Tuesdays at ten. Thank you so much. Um, it's a show about HBCU life. It's following a few different characters. We have a president that's coming in new, fresh off the uh, the train of a different um, college. We have me, who I play a um, marching band whiz. She plays the saxophone, and she's kind of just making her way through college life, trying to figure it out. So it's a great show, and um, it comes on Tuesdays at 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so check it out. Uh, Some I'm, little tiny show. Yeah, I know. Small. Tiny. Small. tiny. No Just a little show. Uh, what is it? Let's go. Let's go. I mean, you know. Dude, I get missed. Yes. <laughs> So, June 22nd, yes. Luke Cage, season two premieres. <laughs> Which we're really excited about. I'm currently shooting Iron Fist season two. Nice. So then that is, you know, its own thing. And then um, I'm currently producing some projects on my own that are coming together. Nice. 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 Big things are going yes. happening. Ooh. Big things popping. Well, thank you guys. It was great talking to you, and um, you know thank all you. the best and luck in your careers. And Jen is killing it, and I can't wait to hear more from fans and audiences about this. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Broadnax, MR Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Art19, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum Podcast.